the last time I was here, I was physically on the roof. So if there's if there's a leak, it wasn't me. I always blame it on the guy that wasn't here, or isn't here now. So that's a it's a rule at work. Uh, we're gonna start off in Second Corinthians. I want to tell you a little story too about how this happened. We're driving in North Carolina. Um, sorry, I, Josh. Sorry. Did you turn on the mic? I don't know. <laughs> it's green. Is that good? All right. It's some guy that's not here. It's his fault. Uh, so we were driving to North Carolina, my family, and I had my cousin Pete with us. He helps us drive, and I play golf and stuff with him downstairs. He's like my, my play pal down there. And uh, we were talking about, like, preaching and coaching and all this stuff. And so we were just, like, going on about it. And this was, like, towards the beginning of the trip. And I'd, how you come up with, like, your title for your message and stuff. And, and sometimes God changes the message after you, like, you start to prepare, and it changes a little bit. And then a couple hours go by, and I was, we were going, driving through the hills, and I was like, I, uh, I think I just came up with the message, the title of my next message, which is unusual, because I normally, I'm a last second guy. I normally come up with the title, like, as I'm going through it. And then we arrive at our destination, and, and but Brother Clifford calls, and he's like, hey, May 15th, you want to preach? And I look at Pete, I'm like, did you, did you do that? Did you call him? He's like, I don't have his number. <laughs> and uh, so it was truly a working of God that I'm here today. So I just wanted to share that little story with you. So Second Corinthians, and we'll start in verse 1, and we'll read a little bit. I'm... I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and relations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weakness. Though if I should wish, wish to boast, I would, not, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited... Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said no to me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you've done for us. Please let your words be done and spoken and lifted up, not mine. And uh, we just thank you for this time and this opportun- opportunity. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. So the 
the title is are we content with God and will we do we still strive to further ourselves with God are we, are, or better our relationship do we want to learn more or have we plateaued have we reached that level where we don't really want to learn anymore and we just we just go through the motions a Sunday Christian if you will are we excited about God? Is it, do we talk about him on a regular basis? Or would we rather talk about the Mets or something like that? <laughs> how, how is it that we talk about church? Is it like one of those things we have to do or we want to do? And the last part of that is, do we give at least 10% to God? And I'm not talking about money. So, are we content? I always thought when growing up that I'm, to have a big house and, and have like all these boats and the cars, and that's when you're winning in life. The older I get, the more I realize the guy sitting on the front porch with nothing else to do is probably the guy winning as he's watching traffic go by, waving at random people, because he's, he's content with where he's at. He doesn't need the next best, best thing. If you've ever gone to a, a store with a child and you walk through the toy section, there's many aisles of the toy section, and you have a little kid and they'll go, Dad, I want this, I want this. And you're like, no, we'll think about it, put that back. And then two minutes later, they forgot about that other thing, and it's, I want this. And then the next aisle, I want this. And then you give them, well, you have $5 to spend, go pick what you want. And a lot of times that ends up being nothing of the first five choices that they look for. Or they're contemplating taking it home and saving it up for something bigger. Are we okay with just walking through and just walking through the motions? I know people here have had struggles. And God, we know, Romans eight twenty eight says that he's going to give us struggles, but it, whoever works for good... It'll be all right. The tougher the struggle, you're, why would God give me this such a tough struggle? And a lot of times, if he gives you a really hard thing, he obviously thinks very highly of you because you can handle it. During these struggles and, and you set schedules and things like that, I'm not one to schedule too much. My, my wife's a scheduler. She even asked me, what are we doing today after church? I don't know. <laughs> So me, my, my schedule changing doesn't really affect me too much. I don't really care. I just, I'm, I'm okay going with the flow. But have we ever had like a big situation and the schedule just completely changed on us? Two guys in the, or few, this happened a lot in the Bible. Uh, obviously, Job didn't want to lose everything he had. You know, his schedule changed. And it wasn't an easy schedule change. We had Joseph, the, the coat of many colors story. You know, he, his brothers didn't like him too much, threw him in the pit, and he ended up second in command in the city, facing his brothers to help him out later. We have uh, Mary and Joseph. I don't think that when they were talking about their wedding plans and things like that, they were like, hey, we're, we'll give birth to the, the Savior of the world, and uh, we'll just keep going with that. He, sometimes he changes them in a big way, and it, a lot, m most of the time, it is not the easy way. 
So how do we deal with that? Romans 5. Start in verse one. These these changes are are can be very tough. And if you're looking at yourself and you see something that you didn't plan out, and now all of a sudden it changes, and you're like, "Well, now what am I going to do?" And you and you're relying on yourself, but you're not looking at God's picture. He knows everything, right? So Romans five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. When we have that change in, in our schedule or that hard time, are we quick to, to praise God? I've, you drivers, when you got pulled over, were you immediately praising God? Thank you, Lord, that the, I see blue and red behind me. I was speeding, and he's keeping me safe right now. You're probably praying... I will never do this again if you just get me out of this. Right? Do we rejoice immediately with struggle? And it's hard to do because we're, we're human. How is it that we can rejoice in those times of need? Those struggling times, those, those fearful times where now you're going to be late to church because you ran a stop sign. You could speed the church. It's okay. I talk to God. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Don't speed. Um, how, do we, how do we get through those tough times and not look at ourselves? And that brings you to, are you giving 10% to God? That's part of that. Are you looking at yourself in your struggles? Or are you looking at God's big picture? He knows what he's doing. In verse 3, not only... That, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. When, when an athlete and stuff works out and, and they go through workouts, and it, it's painful, it's time-consuming, it's tough. But in the end, it produces something better. Do we want to learn more? With God. Joshua 1 8 and 9. I could read this one. This one's a, a quick little one that you probably already know. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I have not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, by not showing me your hands, how many can keep God on your mind 100% of the time? There's not much we can do 100% of the time. The 
the times of TikTok and ADD, 15 seconds would be impressive, you know, for some of these kids nowadays to keep their mind on one particular thing. How do we do this? How is it that we can, how do we meditate day and night? Like, how is that even possible? Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it talks about denying yourself. You know, the self-sacrifice. And it comes down to, do you love yourself or do you love God more? And we're all going to fall. This is all, like, no, one, no one's going to be perfect. We can strive for it. But the Lord knows we're going to come up short. He already knows it. That's why he sent his son to die for us. And we're going to try and try. And every time we come up short, he's going to be right there picking us up. You got it. They, he's called our father for a reason. You know, our, if our child or, or nephew or niece or whatever, if they, they sin against us, we're not like, well, that's it. They did the one thing and I'm not going to talk to them anymore. It doesn't happen that way. We love them. So just like, and then Jesus will love us and continue to push us along. And we just, we have to continue to put him first. Colossians 4, this one you could turn to, Colossians 4, it'll be verse 2. This will be a little, little bit of a help to try to, to keep yourself on, on God and godly things. Colossians 4, verse 2. Can, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open us a door for the word to declare the mystery of of Christ. On account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So right there, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Do we only pray like when it's at the trouble time? Do we do we continually thank the Lord for things that we have? Are we content with the things that we have? You know, I know some people a lot of prayer requests growing up have I always heard in the church is I, I want a new job and or I want this particular job. And that's that's how they pray. I want I want this particular job and then it doesn't happen. Well I don't know why the Lord didn't give me that. And then a couple weeks later, the job they actually wanted, didn't think was possible, comes up. You have to watch. Being watchful in in it with thanksgiving. I remember I w- just a couple days ago, I was driving home and my daughter wanted to go get a dress for the sports banquet. So I was like, I'll be home in 20 minutes. And sure enough, I'm coming down Route 10 in Southington, which is a busy place, and there was a car accident maybe 30 feet in front of me. And it just so happened at work, something held me up about a minute, and I was about to leave. And, and then I get in this caught in traffic. I couldn't see that there was the accident ahead of me. I just saw a line of cars, and 
I, w I was obviously late to get, go to dress shopping, but the Lord put me in that spot. A lot of times when it's busy, I drive around the back roads, and I just didn't that day because I thought I, just, I was just down there two minutes ago, and there was nothing, there was no traffic. So I was, I'm going to run right down this way to try to be there quick. Ended up half hour later. The Lord has his plan, and I was not rejoicing. I could guarantee you that. <laughs> I was thinking of any way to go around it. I was thinking about jumping the curb, and I was thinking all different ways to get out of it. And the Lord just wanted me to sit there and be patient. And it takes time to, to continually think of things like that. And I, I know I don't do it perfectly. It says a world-class... World-class athlete takes 10,000 hours working on their craft to become world-class. 10,000 hours, it seems like a lot, right? But I did a little math here. The average person is 74 years. That's 657,000 hours. And it only takes 10,000 of that to be a world-class athlete. 657,000, 10,000. Have we done anything for 10,000 hours? Have, to put that type of time in it? I know swimmers, they'll, they'll go before school and they'll swim and then they'll go after school and swim. And, and runners do a lot of the same thing. They, I don't get running. I don't know why. Anyone, <laughs> unless someone is chasing me, I don't really get the point of running. But... <laughs> But it just it takes time and effort, and not only do the runners and, and these swimmers have to do that particular thing, but they have to do a lifestyle. They have to eat a certain way. A diet, a lot of times when people say, like, I'm going to go on a diet, something I haven't done in a long time, you have to change the way you actually eat instead of a diet. You actually change your whole lifestyle. So... Instead of dining, because dining's like for a little while, but if you change your entire lifestyle, your whole everything will change. So, would we consider ourselves world class in God with ten thousand hours? I know some of us have grown up in the church, so I got a lot of time in the church. Going to, you know, my dad was in all different meetings, so I had to sit there, but I wasn't paying attention. Some of it. Be looking at the clock and be like, is it snack time yet? <laughs> or I just want to go play outside or, or whatever. You know, when we go to church, are we involved? That comes up with the, the plateauing part. Are we actually in church when we're in church? Are we here for the right reasons? Or are we just showing up? I know even in high school, I would go just to make my parents happy. It's, or I, I don't want to hear my parents say, call me and be like, where were you today? So I'm going to church. That's not the right reason to go to church. And a lot of times when that did happen, I would just show up. God hit me with something, convicted me somehow. And it's like, whew, good thing I went. Because he obviously had the plan. In Psalms, we'll go to Psalms 34 real quick. Oops.
Now, David, this is a psalm of David. He had, he had a few struggles in his life. Someone's always chasing him. So he ran a little bit. And he talks about this. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes it boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt him together. It's so hard to boast in the Lord all the time. And here's a, a random question. How do we talk about church? If someone asks you, you go to church, what, what do you say? And you're like, well, you know, church is, goes from 9 to 12. COVID made it shorter, so that's good, right? <laughs> but we got, you can say it's 9 to 12. And we do, you know, we do the breaking of bread and the guy teaches for a while. And, you know, you don't sound excited, so why would they be excited about it? Well, all right, well, maybe one day I'll stop in, the guy will say. And you're like, okay. And he walks away. You're like, oh, man, I should have told him about snack time. Snack time's awesome. <laughs> During this, the fellowship time, a lot of times, what do we end up talking about? Almost anything but God, right? It's... It's tough. Sometimes we do. We talk about God that whole time. Sometimes we don't. We're getting to know people. People crave that fellowship, that fellowship time. And a lot of people will say snack time is sometimes the most enjoyable. And it's because we crave that fellowship and that time. So how, how should we talk about church? Should it be, well... You know, it's three hours long, but, like, you, you probably get something out of it. Or is it, well, church is for me to go there and praise God. Why do you go to church? What is it for? What's the best part about going to church in your life? So, a question I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask me. What is the best part about church? Is it what you get from it? Is it what you can bring? Is it seeing people you haven't seen in a while? What is that? Are we willing to talk about God on a regular basis? Is it something that we only schedule in? And a lot of times if we don't schedule him in, he'll work himself in there somehow. He'll make himself known. And the more you try to push away from God, the more he will make himself known in some way, form, or fashion. Do we use him as a vending machine? Do we, are we, connect, are we content knowing what we know already? And are we getting others involved? Or are we just sitting back and, and hoping for the best? And so, do we give God 10%? This one was an interesting one, because a lot of people, the second you heard 10%, you're thinking money, right? Do I, do I give 10% of my money? It's, a lot of people instantly tie 10%. I, this one hit me like a while ago. Is do, we, do I give 10% of God, God 10% of my time? You know, we're awake for, what, 16 hours a day, and so it works out to be roughly an hour and a half or so. Do I spend an, at least an hour and a half a day talking to God, or thinking about God, or bringing him up? 
doesn't even seem like that long. And we call ourselves Christians and, and we tell people that we, we live by faith and this is our way of life, and, but are we doing it? And, and we're going to fail. There will be days where you know, we may not pray, but God's right there. He's still waiting for us. He's listening for our every move. He's right there with us. Are we afraid to fail or not have the right thing to say when we talk about God? So if we're talking to someone that doesn't normally talk about God or godly things, and is it, are we afraid to, that we're just gonna, not going to know the answer? You know, the, when I was younger, the, um, for our teen group, we went to the like baseball fields and handed out tracks. I don't mind talking to anybody. It doesn't bother me at all. I was scared to death to do that. I did not want to do that because I was like, well, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? And they were like, it's fine. You'll be fine. And I just, I didn't like it. I was so nervous. And, and I ended up talking to a few people and it was fine. There was, there was nothing wrong. And, and when I did, didn't know the answer, I was, you know what? I don't know the answer. Can I get your number? I'll get back to you. And now all of a sudden we have a relationship with the guy because now we're calling him back and forth. And the, the Lord works us, works in mysterious ways. And, and if you're a little nervous to do something because it's out of your, your realm, he probably wants you to try it. Because now you're not relying on yourself, but you're, you're hoping and praying that God is taking care of you through this. When you are in your everyday how does God know that, or how, does, how would somebody else know that Jesus is in your life? How would he know? Do you show by love? If somebody cuts you off, you know, are you waving or friendly? Do you just ignore them? If someone messes with you at work, do you flip out and start screaming at them? Or do you just, how many times do you forgive? Bible says what? 70 times 7? It's a bunch. Forgive over and over. Uh, we'll turn to 1 Corinthians. Two. So this is Paul talking. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do, not, we do impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. We... Reading the Bible and stuff, we could all say Paul was a pretty impressive guy, right? 
And look what he says right there. He's, he's, I'm not good enough to do all this stuff, but God makes it possible. If we look at all these stories, Paul, well, he wrote all these books and he, he led the churches. And here Paul, he's, Paul had a terrible beginning, right? He was persecuting Christians. He sinned. He did bad stuff. And now he's proclaiming, with, not with lofty speech or wisdom, but God speaking through him. So us too can do great things through God. Isaiah 40, I'll, I'll read this one. You guys can turn to Romans 8. We're going to go in Romans 8, and I'll read this. Romans, or Isaiah 40 real quick. Isaiah 40, 29, and 31. It says, He gives us power, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, He increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. He's going to give us power. He says it over and over and over in the Bible that he's going to give us the strength, the power, the wisdom, whatever it is we need to succeed in this world and to put him first. So, how do we do all these things? How do we set our mind on God at least 10% of the time? In Romans 8, verse 6 and 7, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we have to look away from ourselves. We are not the boss in God's world. He's the boss. He's going to lead us. He will not lead us astray. If we're struggling, we have to look to him. Still in chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There you go. As he's telling us, step by step. Verse 24, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait, with, we wait for it with patience. I'm sure at some point in your life you have seen God work. I told you that little story of, about how I thought Pete called James for me to be here. It was an interesting little story, but God definitely worked. There was one other time where I, I preached and like, it, it wasn't good. It was one of my first times. It was, it was bad. And my dad called me, how'd it go? I was like, yeah, it was not good. So... Of course, I drown my sorrows in food. So I went to a place called Monfango's. Place is always busy. It's in New Britain. It's a, it's a Spanish food. Place is always eight, ten people in line. I walk in, there's nobody there. I, I thought they were closed. 
the lady behind the counter says, uh, can I help you? Well, before you do that, did you go to church today? I said, actually, I did. And she's like, well, can you tell me the, like, can you tell me what happened there? And I was like, well, I preached today. She's like, can you give me your message? So there I was in the line of Monfangos, giving her all the points that I did at the teaching that day. She proceeds to start crying, and she was so thankful and so happy that I came in that day, and it wasn't me. That was completely by God. I go to Monfango's once a year, maybe. That place is always busy. It was some people in the back and her in the front. God does things for a reason, even if you don't understand. It, it was weird preaching at a restaurant that, like, I'm barely at. And, uh, you know, what if somebody else came in? They could listen, too, I guess. But the, God will put you in those positions regularly if you're faithful. So accept those challenges, those times. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You know, when you pray, are you praying, I want this particular thing, God, or is it, God, may your will be done. What your plan is, I want to know. Show me what your plan is. How do we pray? The more you build that relationship with God, the more you'll understand how to pray and what God's will for you actually is. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? You know, putting yourself in that, that tough spot, whether it be at work or with a group of friends or, you know, when someone's swearing... Should you say something? Someone uses the Lord's name. Should you say something? You know, if he's with us and he's the Almighty, who can be against us? Verse 37. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can take us away from him. So I, I challenge you, everyone, myself included, are we content with God or, or are we going to boast in him? Are we going to talk about him on a regular basis? Are we going to go out of our way to maybe fail trying to talk to someone that we normally wouldn't about God? And all the meanwhile, do we give God at least 10% of our time talking, reading about him, conversing with him, and building our relationship with God? So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are all that you've done for us. We thank you for the time that we can have. We thank you for all the blessings that you give us and the struggles that are hard to see while we're going through the struggles and how you bless us 
all the time. And we just thank you again, praise you, and uh, be with us. In the name of Christ we pray.